Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome back, rugby fans, here to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show for episode 145. Myself and Rob at the helm here today in the absence of Scott Ferrara, the big guy himself. Myself, Ty Braga, and Rob Hammerschmidt will be with you all the way through. But of course, we have to take time first to be able to remind you that today we're first going to dive into Around the Pitch, sharing all the news from across the rugby realms in a quick fire round, back and forth between myself and Rob, whatever we think you should know, anything that we feel is noteworthy that you as a rugby fan in North America should pay attention to will take place there. Then we're going to take some time aside to dive into our rant, where we're going to be talking about the expansion draft, Major League Rugby, a new team on the horizon with the Miami Sharks. Exciting times, but some uncertainty for some players across the league. We're going to talk more about that and why the expansions draft exists, some of the benefits that lie beneath it, and we're going to share that in a few moments, but not before we take a moment to talk about Around the Pitch. Now, before we get into that time, real quick, we're talking about expansion. I just want to throw a shout out to my guy, Lerome White, big friend of the show, big, big boy here at the Hounds. Uh, he is expanding his family. Uh, he just gave birth to a seven pound, three ounce daughter, Stoney, on 728, July 28th. Want to congratulate Lerome for being a big papa. All right. Excellent stuff. Congratulations to LaRome and the family as the family in Chicago continues to grow and as the rugby family always does. We'll be back in a moment with Around the Pitch. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. Rob, you and I know how this goes, but a quick reminder for those fans, myself and Rob are going to dive into this one by one, sharing quick fire round after round, what we think is news you should know. And Rob, how about you start us off? Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Ty. Uh, Last week, I talked about the Men's and Women's Club Sevens. It's going to be in Madison, Wisconsin, August 12th and 13th, $5 to get in. What I wanted to address this week is... The teams have all qualified, 16 teams on the women's side, 16 teams on the men's side. I'm going to put up a graphic right now to show you what teams have qualified, some really good teams in there. It's going to be some exciting matches. I really want to see what um, the Bombers are going to do. They've actually um, done quite a nice job against the Lions to qualify, and there's some names of note on that team. Um, and they start well at some point. At some point, with uh, Hammerschmidt's in there, but nevertheless, uh, listen. This is going to be televised. It's going to be on um, streamed on USA um, Club Rugby YouTube site on Rugby Explorer 
X-P-L-O-R-E-R. It's free to join. Uh, Ryan Ginty from Next Level Rugby is going to be producing the event, so it should be well done. I will be there. I'm going to join in the broadcast a little bit. Um, one real quick note, Philip Clippins, uh, who we've had on the show, he's Mr. Pickle Juice, talked about two WPL teams uh, may not be there. So the women's teams is still in limbo as of recording today on Monday, um, just because there were two WPL uh, or a WPL match scheduled. And those two teams are both involved in sevens as well. So uh, keep your ear to the ground on that one. Let's see what happens on the women's side. Exciting stuff as club rugby certainly is meeting its uh, its completion there, and uh, what a great event! The Bombers, as you pointed out, going to be a favourite certainly, not only because it's got a, the uh, the Pee Wee Hammerschmidt uh, in the mix, uh, but Nick Feeks and among other great MLR names that people yeah. might recognise. So certainly great to be able to see them continuing what they do across the nation. And I'm going to uh, take us across to Boston for what was dubbed the Battle of the Border, the under 23 women's sides of both Canada and the U.S. competing against each other, testing their medal against these uh, uh, these wonderful rivals. Uh, sadly so, the U.S. coming out the lesser in a 2-0 loss. Uh, that puts Canada above them consistently now in the women's division of the game. And uh, certainly the U.S. is taking their lessons learned and will continue to be able to apply it in the right direction because that that's the under-23s is the next generation of superstars for the women's game as we continue to explore uh, new heights. But the scoreline is uh, interesting. The first matchup was 25-5, to five, sorry, 24-5, to five, uh, of course, against the U.S., Canada coming out the victors. And on the second occasion, uh, July 30th, uh, just a moment ago, 55 to 14 in that second matchup. So USA certainly looking on every occasion to be able to take away what they can as a learning experience. And the learning never ends. Win or lose is the philosophy. Um, all right. So the second piece, uh, again, we're on the pitch about stuff that you may not necessarily come across uh, in you know perusing social media and, and your rugby sites. Uh, this one, uh, shout out to Sheila Falcon from the Rugby Times. There's going to be the NOLA Beach Touch Rugby Tournament. It's co-ed, and it's going to be on August 19th, 5 p.m. start. Going to have to start that late in New Orleans. Otherwise, uh, the humidity is uh, going to make you feel like you're in the devil's ass crack. Um, but it's, it's, uh, oh, it becomes a, a game of survivor, you know, yeah, <laughs> endurance uh, rugby. Coke in Coconut Beach uh, in Kenner. Uh, which is not far from uh, the gold mine. Uh, it's um, five players on the pitch per side. They're playing on a 20 by 10 field. And it's kind of like hockey slash lacrosse in that they have two attackers and two def- and then two defenders. Um, and one female has to be on the pitch at all times of those five. Um, so it's a really unique style, really unique event, kind of cool. I like the creativity of it. Um, and the idea is just about having fun and being social and enjoying rugby and enjoying the camaraderie of it. So um, you get four touches, by the way, uh, to play in a 10-minute game. So, or sorry, four touches, um, and, and there's it's a 10-minute game total. So um, six players per team allotted, you know, five per side on the pitch, actually. So – uh, some really interesting uh, take on rugby. Um, and I, I wish I could go down 
experience it myself, but um, you know, I, I don't want to fry my pasty skin up. <laughs> well, uh, interesting stuff and a bit of fun. I tell you what, for those, I'm remembering those days a while back when I used to do rugby training out of the beach in Cape Town, and that was among the toughest that we would ever do. Your calves would be crying because you've got to push through that soft sand. Uh, it's definitely a workout, and it is tiring, and it is endurance. That Much like for anybody who's played sevens, uh, imagine doing that on the when the ground moves beneath your feet like it would be in the sandy pitch. Uh, it is a lot of effort. Uh, so I'm going to take the opportunity to dive into the next piece over here. And we're going to be talking Major League Rugby, highlighting some of the standouts of the 2023 career. Of course, it's that time to be able to look back and honor those great contributors to the game and the season. And we have now revealed the list of the best forward, best back, coach of the year, and the coveted Rookie of the Year. And in that order, we have Back of the Year. And perhaps no surprise for myself and Rob. I think we said all of these names, by the way. Uh, at least uh, many yeah. of them, I would go as far to say. Uh, Nate Augsburger, certainly a great uh, uh, a player and a wonderful legacy that he's already created at San Diego. But this was somewhat new as he moved down onto the wing this season. Um, and it's provided an opportunity for him to shine in other areas and explore his own game. And certainly did well enough to be able to earn the prize, our best back of the year. Then we have the forward of the year, Vian Conradi. That would be from the Free Jacks. No surprise to be able to see two top teams finding two top honors. Um, congrats to Vian Conradi as well, being nominated for a Namibia, um, representing his own country. And uh, Coach John uh, Josh Sims uh, for Old Glory DC. Old Glory themselves had a stellar season. They've made it as far as they have ever been before. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough, but promising results over the year before and even the year before that. So we hope to be able to see them carry some of the momentum forward, certainly if they keep somebody like Sims at the helm steering that ship. Then we have to be able to dive into the most important one some people consider, Rookie of the Year, Sam Gola, Jackals take a bow. Why? This man certainly came out into the scene as one of those great uh, powerhouses in rugby, certainly a long career, uh, gets along with all his teammates, wonderful. I mean, I I'm preaching to the choir here, Rob. You know this man very well. Um, yeah. So, you know, I I'm sure, you know, you would feel like any one of these guys would be happy to be able to have on your roster. But to have the Rookie of the Year identified – you know that's somebody who's going to be a part of American rugby for a long time, right? Well, I, for me, the importance of Gala coming on the scene is the, is the contribution he's going to make, we believe, to USA Rugby. I know right. I ran into Scott Lawrence prior to his selection and getting and getting his 54-man and then 33-man roster. Um, he had come to watch uh, Dallas and the Hounds play, and he was. I had asked him, who are you watching? He said, well, I'm really coming to watch Sam Gala is one of the guys I really want to see play. And, and, uh, you know, don't forget with Chavetta actually retiring and, and Greg Peterson getting, you know, right. windows opening. In the tooth. And yeah, there's the, the, the United States roster is, is, uh, bereft of, um, of locks. So it's, it's great to see somebody like Sam Gala step into the fray and, um, he's going to be able to make a contribution, I believe, to the U.S. Eagles roster for sure. 
right? And for many years to come, because those are the type of players we want to be able to see yeah. take us on to even greater heights onto more World Cup honors. So there you have it, around the pitch with Rugby Rant. And stick around, because we'll be back in a few moments to talk about the expansion draft recently announced with the inclusion of a new side, the Miami Sharks, joining in 2024. Exciting times, Rob, and we're going to be diving into that in a moment, but not before we take a few moments to be able to share a few words from one of our partners and help us do what we do here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, helping to grow rugby one fan at a time. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your micro crew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Rugby fans, it is time for the rant portion of the Rugby Rant episode 145. And of course, as Ty mentioned, prior to your exit and hearing from our sponsors, we're going to be talking about the expansion draft. As we all know, a lot of people anticipated there's been a lot of buildup to the fact that the Miami Sharks are going to be joining the league in 2024. And of course, whenever you have a team join the league, there is an expansion draft. Now, just to clarify, because you're not on social media and 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 Reddit and Facebook and every place else, uh, some folks who are unfamiliar with the expansion draft or folks that are new to the league as fans, they've been asking about this expansion draft and what it is and how it works. And so that's what we're here to do today is talk about what this is, how it works, and what kind of impact we think it's going to have and and talk about some of those players uh, that were uh, that were selected. Uh, but before we get into that, just let me clarify or let us clarify. There's actually three types of drafts we've experienced over the course of six seasons of the MLR. One of them is, in fact, the uh, dispersal draft. We saw that with Glendale's exit and we saw that with L.A. and Austin. Um, exiting the league, and of course the Hounds coming in, um, so that they picked up some of those players. Uh, there's also an expansion draft, which we've seen when we had new teams come in, like the you know, Iron Workers and in their former iteration as Rugby New York, um, Free Jacks, uh, Old Glory DC, etc. Um, and then we have a, a collegiate draft, which is going to be uh, August 17th. We're going to do a show uh, live for everybody. So I just want to clarify the three different types of drafts that exist, and they are different 
They are unique. Uh, there is a little bit of overlap in how they work, and Ty's going to talk just a little bit about how they work. Yeah, Rob, thanks very much. And I'm so glad that you took the time to be able to identify you know, what different drafts have happened. And I will be among the first to be able to admit uh, that it took me a while to figure out what is a draft system uh, as you and, and Scott uh, like gave me some extra lessons to be able to figure it out when I was first introduced to the concept back in 2020. Uh, but it's become an important part of rugby, uh, professional rugby in particular with Major League Rugby itself. And it, But it's not really uncommon to, to fans in American sports culture, maybe elsewhere to the rest of the world, but it's entrenched in Major League Baseball, the NFL, NHL, and, of course, the NBA, the big four franchises uh, or, or different leagues, I should say. And there's one more to be able to include in that list with the dispersal draft, which was the Jackals, because they didn't um, yeah. end up doing their first season. But uh, so we've seen it a few times, but this is the first time we've seen the expansion draft. So it's a good time to be able to remind folks, well, where are we in this process? And then we're going to talk a little bit more about what is its purpose, right? What benefits might it have to A, the league, and B, to the team that's being introduced next season, which, of course, as you so rightly pointed out, is the Miami Sharks, which everybody's excited, really excited when they hear a new team is coming, but there's a lot of groundwork that needs to be done. Just just ask, uh, 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 you know, uh, the guys out in the Chicago Hounds how much they had to do in a short time. We want to be able to give Miami Sharks a little bit more of a runway, Right. So that's the first thing that's important. But where we stand at the moment is this past week, uh, 60 players were originally identified. That makes it five from each side. 12 times five is 60. Rob had to remind me about the maths before we started. Thanks. Uh, that's why he's a teacher. Um, I'm all, uh, eternally the student, I guess. So with that 60 in mind, they only really had to decide which of those players might they consider. And then they ended up with 25 names that have been revealed. Rob's going to dive into some of those names in a moment's time as I hand the microphone back to him. But of those 25, they have entered negotiations with each and every one of them. And they have until August 6th, which is a Sunday, I believe, to be able yeah. to finalize those agreements. Once they have done so and come to agreeable terms with those players, who, by the way, aren't obligated to be able to accept any offer given to them, but Miami is obligated to be able to meet any contract, existing contract agreement, terms in any existing contract agreement that they've had with their previous club. So they have to either equal or better what they are currently getting. So why is that so? Because they want to make sure that they're not going backwards. I think that's an important point for folks to be able to remember. So of those selected players, we will know the names um, that will make up the initial start of the roster, help them to be able to build the foundation on eventually what will become that team. So really, um, uh, August 7th, I'm sure we'll get to be able to start to see the trickles of who has signed and who has agreed. But I want folks to be able to know just because the deals might be concluded doesn't mean every one of them is going to be revealed. This has kind of been a stickling point for many fans, right, Rob, is that people don't understand the separation between those two things. Yeah, hey, and, and if you could touch, touch upon something, Ty, that I think is pr really relevant for folks that are unfamiliar with, with the dispersal draft. Mm -hmm. First of all, you know, why is it that it has to happen? Well, not necessarily on August 6th, but what's the significance right. of that date 
And then the second thing, let's let's just touch upon why players aren't necessarily obligated to sign with the Sharks. I think that's a relevant element uh, to address as well. I mean, yeah. just because those 25 players are revealed doesn't necessarily mean, as you said, that um, they're going to be in Miami playing their trade next season. Yeah, and, and there are good points. I mean, the first one, let's tackle that, is why is August 6th an important day? Well, really, August 6th isn't so important. What's more important is that it happens before the MLR Collegiate Draft. Um, now, in my opinion, you want to be able to have the foundation of your team set from players who already have plied their trade professionally in the league, which means that you got some consistency. You also don't pull too much from one of the existing teams, thereby weakening the strength of their own squads that they've spent seasons trying to be able to build. But it does allow you to be able to have a core. And as you, who is experiencing your team to start before you go shopping for the next young superstar come the MLR uh, Collegiate Draft, which as folks may or may not remember, it's customary that whoever is newest to the league gets the best, sorry, the, not the best, the first picks, I should say, which can sometimes be the best picks depending on how it turns out for them, right? And that's kind of the advantage it seemed to be able to be going for, for before the other sides. So it works right. in well, reverse. Right. Um, and we'll go back, go back to your point during uh, the around the pitch, right? Sam Gallo was right. picked first. Uh, right. the Dallas Jackals, right? So they had their first selection. They select Gala. Of course, he was, you know, uh, rookie of the year, and he's, you know, uh, part, right. you know, jumping in with the Eagles, and he's, you know, he's an excellent right. player. And so, that's exactly you what know. you want. You want first crack at some right. of the best talent, and the MLR Collegiate Draft is that. I think it's undoubtedly so that teams and the league has embraced the concept of using the draft to their advantage because look at the products that's already uh, proven to be able to create. We had Connor Mooneyham. We had, uh, oh gosh, I can't even remember all the names. I would be doing an injustice to even mention. Well, Andrew Guerra. I mean, somebody on Reddit actually put out a really nice list of players Right. who have made significant contributions to their team sides after having been drafted. And you mentioned Mooneyham, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, um, um, uh, let's not forget Tavetti uh, uh, or uh, yeah, Tavetti Lopetti, mm -hmm. um, you know, USC. I think of Bronson Tellis as well, yeah. who I think of, right. you know, the, there's so many names and that's the great thing about the, the, the right. MLR uh, collegiate draft. So that was the first thing. The next thing is, is that players, being approached by Miami Sharks are not obligated to be able to accept any deal that's given to them. But it is important that they've recognized that they have to either meet or exceed what they're currently getting with their with their side. Um, and that's a really, really good point, talking about player welfare, which has been a hot-button topic of late in, in rugby in America, right? Um, because you don't want to force players to be able to uproot themselves from where they finally find a, a home, uh, move across the country with not much certainty. Um, they also should be full-time contracts, I, I, I would hope, right, if you're going to be making a move like that. Um, and this is this is something that's that's different from other leagues, um, where there's a, there has to be a minimum guarantee, and that minimum guarantee is building on top of what they previously were offered. And and Rob, this I want to throw back to you because we briefly touched on on players that are going to be a part of this. I know you always spend a tremendous amount of time researching these young players, building relationships with them, as you begin to be able to line up interviews for our own coverage of the MLR Collegiate Draft. So what are some of these these names that stand out for you from this list right now? Because you're kind of close to the subject. Well, I kind of broke it down into three categories. Um, so some selections 
uh, don't make sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think there's a recognition by folks that are out there, again, going back to social media, uh, it left people scratching their heads a little bit. A uh, few selections uh, were young guys that, you know, might be looking for uh, a new opportunity, perhaps, you know, a rebirth or, or you know, just a, an opportunity to break through with another team. And then there's a few of these guys that make some sense uh, with some context. So, um, you know, I can address those, you know, each individually, but um, it's kind of important to recognize, again, going back to Ty's point, these guys don't have to sign. So, um, right. like, you know, here's an example uh, to Ty's point. Joey Baki is here from Chicago. I know Joey. Um, he actually, his contract is up. So it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, what does Miami have to meet or exceed if he's not contracted for 20 Yeah, that's an interesting gray area because essentially he's a free agent. Correct. So, you know, it's not like they have to meet any kind of standard contract that he's currently existing at because his contract is out. Um, I found uh, Caleb Strum from here in Chicago, speedy winger from Alabama, mm-hmm. so it gets him a little closer to, to home. Um, you know, again, not sure if, you know, he was a, a, a standard contract player, an associate contract player, but he's a young kid who uh, I think, you know, can grow and develop. He's got a lot of pace. Um you know, with some time, with some opportunity, can he develop into a, right. you know, a significant And these are, you have to imagine sure. some of the thoughts that are going through the minds of those in Miami is yeah. like, well, if we're going to pick a player, we want some longevity too. Right. And a lot of Dallas fans were scratching their heads at Eric Naposky that he was being let go by the Jackals. Here's a guy who made some significant contributions. He was right. a, uh, I can't remember what the draft, you know, number was. Was he number one in 20? I think he was the number one. In that year, right? Yeah, in that um, year. It, it certainly produced results for them as well. Right. So, you know, there's some interesting ones there. Again, those are the young guys. Um, some selections, like I said, didn't make sense, like Nick Feeks uh, from from Rugby New York, from the Ironworkers. Um, Feeks announced his retirement. So why would Miami select him if he's announced his retirement? I've actually engaged with Nick. Um, a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, he's locked into St. Louis. As a matter of fact, he's playing sevens with the bombers. Right. Uh, his, his wife is working out of St. Louis. Now he's, you know, unless he's changed his mind, which is entirely possible. I hope to see him here in two weeks up in Madison, but unless he's changed his mind, he said, you know, he's a rugby player is always willing to lace up one more time. Right. Right. I mean, (laughs) Miami in a bad place, but you know, I just might, my sense is, and I'll get more context from that. It's probably not going to happen. He's going to be in St. Louis, right? Uh, Eric Howard, in that case, brilliant move from uh, from uh, Rugby New York, right? Hey, let me put a guy yeah. on this list who I know is not going to play, and actually still counts as my one of my five. Right, right, <laughs> right. exactly, and that, and that's I think part of what happens. Uh, my my head scratching comes in. Yeah. Five names, four of them are about to yeah. retire. <laughs> Good <Right>. luck. <laughs> Eric Howard is another guy who's announced his retirement. Canadian right. international hooker uh, from from Nola Gold. Um, yeah, I just again, uh, I, I don't know why they would select him, but right. you know, again, head scratcher. Uh, we're not sure about Troy Lockyer. He's you know rehabbing a thigh injury from what Scott has told us. So uh-huh. you know he's had rough two seasons. So you know you, you get why the iron workers would release him, but you're not quite sure. 
right? Why and this, this is again, I want to circle back around to the importance when you when Rob is saying, you know, I don't know why they might select them. These are the twenty five they chose of the sixty. Now right. they have selected them in a way. It doesn't mean it's going to be a done deal. But right. again, coming back to your earlier point, why on earth would you choose? Already, you named three that are pretty much taken out of the equation because of retirement or injury. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they know this and they select them anyway because uh, they know that they're not going to contract with them. Mm. You know, they, so they, they what have would be eyes. an advantage to that, though? Uh, because they, you know, I watch. I think I think Miami's going to be loaded with Argentinians that they're going to bring. Oh, up. for sure. I mean, it's Argentinian ownership. There's a South American uh, flair. There's already precedent right. of of, of uh, Argentinian players successfully right. being able to get uh, game time here and visas and all that type of stuff. So, right. you know, it's like, um, gee, a South African coach brings in South African coaches. Right. Who would have thought? An Australian coach brings in Australian players. Who would have thought? Uh, it's kind of par for the course. Yeah, so for me, I just think it was, you know, maybe they just, it was something they had to do. You have to pick 25 players. Okay, we'll pick 25 yeah. players, knowing that, you know, that yeah, some of them are the motions, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so that's one of them. Uh, but get to the next point. We talked about the Argentinians. You talked about visa issues. You talked about the Argentinian influence. The ones that do make sense are kind of interesting. Tomas uh, Cesares, um, he is Argentinian, uh, mm-hmm. so he would fit in nicely with the side, as right. well as uh, Marcos Moroni from Dallas. Uh, again, another RG would fit, would fit in with the side as well. So you got to think that those that, that there was intent there uh, by the Sharks to select those two players. And then another one that's kind of interesting, um, Alex Tucci. Um, he's actually from uh, Western Florida, which is northwest of Miami. Um, he went to uh, Cypress Bay High School, played a bit of rugby there as a youth, as a young player, and then went and played college Florida. But anyway, you know, um, there that may have been something they've already had conversations with to right. uh, saying, "Hey, look, do you want to come back and finish?" Because he's and, like and many one. players finish your yeah finish your yeah. career you know close to home. Right, and that is a big factor because you know again to highlight the importance of why we bring this up. Players in in rugby in America are not making million dollar salaries. So many of the decisions have to be weighed against life and work balance, which of course work for them is the game that we love. Um, but of course they have to uproot their families sometimes as well. So there's got to be secondary and tertiary benefits for them to be there. Um, and, and there's so many pieces of the puzzle that make it right or wrong. And uh, you have to look at it from like 17 different angles to understand each move. Right. Yeah. And here's another angle. Uh, so I spoke with a, a GM this week who's who will go nameless at this point, but he uh, he made an interesting point. He said, you know, the Free Jacks, of course, won the you know Shield this year in 2023. Uh, we know that the Iron Workers who won in 2022 were heavily in, influenced by you know foreign players, largely New Zealanders. Um, the Free Jacks of their roster, 19 were foreign players, 14 were Canadian. Now, remember, Canadians are considered, yeah, you know, they're, they're considered domestic because of the Toronto areas, uh, arrows are in the league. They only had four Americans on their roster. Hmm. So, why is this significant? I mention it because several players that were selected were Canadian, four 
that I looked at were Canadian Shane O'Leary and three of the four have um, have been capital Canada. So they come with some international experience. Shane O'Leary, uh, 13 caps, uh, some experience in Europe. Um, uh, Avery Odeman um, played Canadian U20s. Um, and then um, let's see. Uh, we, we got, um, I can't even read my own writing now. Um, Kano uh, Lloyd, um, he's 29, 13 caps. And then Dawson, um, I, I forgot. I, I can't read my writing, but it's 25 year old young guy, two caps. Um, my apologies, folks. Anyway, you got four guys of Canadian um, lineage there. Um, so again, they're considered domestic players. Uh, so that's an advantage for them to be selected. And obviously with their international pedigree, um, they come with, they come with some experience that they're looking for. Right. And it is good. I mean, we want to be able to recognize Canada as a partner in American rugby because they are domestically and also, you know, continentally it's, if Canada is doing well, so is the U S and vice versa. Right. Um, so it's nice to be able to see that, but we can imagine, you know, what happens after this is we have to be able to dissect once the news is revealed, what their choices might have been. We've already kind of speculated as to some of the thought processes here. And of course, we welcome fans at home to tell us what some of their reasoning would be if they were in the position to be able to choose players and what they think Miami was thinking. And you can continue to be able to let us know on our social media handles everywhere. You may find us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Myself and, and Rob and Scott always welcome any criticism of what we do because that's what we do in rugby is we, we like to be able to create these conversations. Um, so let's turn the conversation for a moment though, Rob. And back to the expansion draft concept itself. Why is it a benefit to the league and the teams? Well, obviously, I think it's a benefit for um, the league and the team, specifically the the expansion team, in that you have players that already have visas that are sorted. So they don't have to bear the burden from, and and you know this from firsthand experience, a visa is going to cost a team probably about $4,000. So they got to figure that into the cost of bringing that player over, Uh you know, um, and I guess that's. And the time and resources, everything factored into it. Yeah, it's, it's a burden. Right. And, and, you know, of course, Miami has a good run up, you know, if they start now, they're going to be in plenty of time and plenty of stead to get timing wise to get those players in. But the fact is that they don't have to spend, you know, four grand to get that player a visa, you know, mm-hmm. and to get them here. So, so that plays a significant advantage. Um, it also forces teams um, to be, you know, to feel the burden of expansion. And and what I mean by that is, you know, if you, if you didn't have any, any kind of requirement that teams release players then you might see teams that perhaps release, you know, let's say 10 players versus another team that only releases two, you know, that team that released more players is going to feel more of a pinch, more of a burden, especially in the depth of the roster than, than would, an, you know, another team. So it forces all teams to potentially feel that burden, that pinch equally, because they all have to release five, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so that's a, um, so that's another benefit, I guess, is it kind of, spreads the pain across the league and across all teams. Yeah. Um, You know, countering, not countering, but building on that point though, about, you know, um, you know, adding five players uh, to, to your, um, 
or releasing five players is the word I'm looking for. It could also be seen as somewhat of a benefit that if they have players and they, their squad is larger than they might need, it provides an opportunity to to perhaps decrease some of the wages too, right? Um, and free up some more space on the team for other players to be able to take a spot, um, to be able to go shopping at the MLR Collegiate Draft and go comfortably so, hey, we can actually offer a little bit more because we have three, four, or five players no longer on the roster. Right, right. Um, you know, my guess is, though, is that, again, if if we take a look at some of the players that were named and, and then selected uh, by the Sharks, uh, you kind of get the idea that several of these players were already or were already seen as being taken off the books. Right. Via retirement, via, you know, the, the contract expiration. Uh, so I think, you know, that plays a significant factor into why certain players were available in the expansion draft um, was because it was already kind of a foregone conclusion, right. um, you know, and, and again, having a, had a conversation with a GM recently, there was a player of note that, um, you know, was, was, was only on that one year deal and excuse me. And uh, you know, may or may not be back with that team depending on whether they sign, but you know, the, the, the GM said, Hey, um, we're bringing in somebody that's going to be in that position that we believe is going to be better and better service. So it's not a great loss for us. Right. Yeah. And that's professional game at any level, right? They, you have to be able to pick the, well, you would hope it's a meritocracy and you pick the best player for that, for that spot in that role, but also aligns with the, the, the values of the team and the vision for the future. And that's a difficult thing to be able to do for a club that has even yet to play their first game. Um, but it certainly does give them an advantage knowing that they can gather from this list of 25 players, at least a core group that they feel confident enough to be able to offer a contract who already have major league rugby experience. And as you so rightly pointed out, in some cases may even have international colors uh, representing yeah. Canada or wherever nation they may come from. Now, um, it could also mean that they have more of a run-up, as we said, that certainly than what Chicago had. I mean, you've been on the ground. You, you've spoken yeah. to a lot of people. Yes, you could argue that Chicago got maybe a, a, a better opportunity to pick players, but great players doesn't equal a great team always. Yeah, well, and, and it was my experience having access to rosters and, and the, the, the rosters that were submitted each week by the teams. Right. You know, there were there was, you know, you had your 23 and then there were players that were like five or six players yeah. that were put on the greater roster just in case there was an injury, let's say, in the, you know, the captain's run. Right. And, you you know, you need to bring in a player there. There were many, many games, at least early on, where the Hounds didn't, you know, they might have had one or two guys in that list that were in addition. So, you know, really, this one is about depth and building mm-hmm. depth, which is why I have to imagine some of those young guys were selected like Strom, like back Baki, like Gian Scoli, um, and like, uh, well, Naposki, I think is going to be someone they're going to be looking for because he, he played, he had significant minutes with Dallas. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's why those some of those young guys were selected. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we hope to be able to hear what some of the results are come August 7th as it mm. starts to trickle out. Uh, my guess is, is that we're not going to see it in one open floodgate. We're going to be seeing it trickled throughout the uh, the off season as is great marketing opportunity to continue to build momentum as they begin their rugby in 2024. I mean, if you're a great marketing mind, you certainly wouldn't uh, shoot your load in the first shot. Um, so you want to make sure that you drip it throughout the off season. Um, but I, I would have to imagine that a name like Naposky might be one of the first ones they reveal if it is one that they can reveal has been signed, sealed, and delivered. Because you want to be able to show that it's it's a credible process, first of all, um, that it does go from beginning to end. And the result could could be comforting for rugby fans who want to, or people who want to call themselves rugby fans uh, of the Sharks, that they've got somebody who's a stellar talent um, that shows something bright for, for the future for them. Would you agree, Rob? Uh, yeah, and, and we know that their social media team does a really nice job at putting out their social media posts. Um, I, we're supposed to get some kind of reveal, I, I thought, with Kit. You know, that was the belief. Uh, early on, they led people, at least with their colors um, release, they led people to believe that the that their shirts and their jersey design was already a foregone conclusion, but I don't know that that's the case based upon some things that have happened recently. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my concern with Miami is remember Mark Winokur was hired as a GM initially, and he is now out. He is now out. Um, and you know, th- that early turnover is unusual. You right. Know, you have to think that there's, um, there was something that went awry, whether yeah. it's vision, yeah. a philosophy or, or yeah. money, whatever it is. I mean, for a fallout to happen so early is not a sign of confidence right now. Right. And, and, it, and you know, it's just unusual. So let's, I'll be interested to see what happens. I'll be really interested to see how they select in the draft and what direction they go. Um, you know, and and obviously, you know, we'll have to wait in the upcoming months to see what's dripped out as far as those signings. Right. And we will continue to be able to reveal them as they come available to us and share them online under the handle at Rugby Around Pod. But in addition to learning more about who may have been picked through the expansion draft, you want to continue to follow us to learn more about who might be picked in the MLR Collegiate yeah. Draft, because that's the next exciting thing to happen shortly following uh, this August 6th date that is coming closer and closer for those players and the Miami Sharks. Um, but maybe Make sure that you take your time to also pay attention to that next generation of superstars that are USA eligible, um, that might very well be those players that take the field in 2031 as we continue with that on the horizon in mind uh, to represent the United States and help them take them to even greater honors, making it outside of the pool stage and into the quarters will be our next best achievement as USA Rugby. Rob and myself have been enjoyed this uh, here. Rob, you wanted to jump in for yeah, a moment? I just want to remind uh, viewers, we're going to be going live on the 17th right. to cover the draft. Uh, we're going to, I think it's at 6.30. We're going to be coming, and that's Eastern time. We're going to be coming in a half an hour before. Um, I've got Mike Matarazzo from the Hounds coming in. He's going to give his perspective as a guy who was in the draft and selected in the draft himself by AT at Rugby ATL at the time, um, you know, and then somebody who actually was in an expansion draft and and uh, was signed by another team, the Hounds, uh, and just, you know, going through, you know, what it's like to be a young player, 
you know, developing and coming through the ranks, um, just giving his perspective. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to have uh, Ryan Ginty from Next Level Rugby join us. He's going to give us our, his perspective and thoughts as he follows things. So we're, we're going to have a great show. Uh, we're going to really be looking forward to it. And I've got to I've got to butt myself up here um, and, and become a nastic in my studies of the draft <laughs> over the next two weeks. Well, you always manage to deliver. And one of the great things that you've continued to be able to push is uh, paying attention to the next generation. I think that's something that fans have come to enjoy um, about you, Rob, and uh, you really do live it. Uh, so let's again pay a special attention to all of that. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. This has been another great opportunity to be able to share with you what we do here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, episode 145. And uh, we will see you all at the next. big money when you start your next project today at menards check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock ready to take home today we carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest menards you can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on menards.com save big